following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Sports, but we came here to win the most legit podcast. That's why we know you're tuning in. We cover the biggest news. We underdogs, but we can't lose. So trust the process. Yes, you, because we got Chris and Anju to bless you with the best features, best stories. We diving deep like a Lambo leap. Wake up, kid, and stop snoring. We on point just like this beat. Bring the passion like the talk pound. In the cold, get a gold brand. Sit back and race the cat because we start this show like right now. Welcome to the Underdog. I'm Chris Hordell, joined by Anshu Khanna, returning from his hiatus. Anshu, I'm welcome, back. welcome back to the show. Thank you. Hey, you're Be welcome. Back. I mean, obviously, Thank you for this, me. you're very welcome. Obviously, the listeners are going to be upset to know that it was you, but uh, instead of one Dan Bauer, but we're gonna we're gonna fight on regardless. So, did you uh, did you get to listen to any of this show that Dan and I did last week? Aren't you? Uh, I downloaded but did not listen. To Good. It. I'm glad. I'm glad that no, I don't care. I'm glad that's your first of all. Thank you for downloading. I don't care if if everybody just downloads the show and doesn't listen to it. It means nothing to me. Thank you for downloading <laughs> it because that download still counts. A review wouldn't that be nice, but not necessary. that's true. If you want to, you want to rate us. You want to review us. People have been great about that recently, and uh, thank you for that. But as long as you download it, I, I'm cool. That's, that can be the end of our transaction. That's, that's perfectly fine. <laughs> but so Dan and I talked about something interesting on the show last week and just kind of like weirdly. I'll be st- the judge of that. Fair enough. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually ask you a question since you didn't hear it. And you don't know what the answer to oh, this wow. question is. Uh, the, okay. the episode title was the 50-50 club. And that refers to players who over the, their lifetime in Major League Baseball – have a season of 50 home runs and a season of 50 stolen bases. How many okay. of these players exist in Major League Baseball? Oh, wow. Because I found uh, this, I found I this they, fascinating. The no, I no. I, there's I, never, I, there's I, never I, been a 50-50 season, but it, it's more of a 50-50 kind of career thing. Okay. Um, boy. I'm guessing less than 10. There are less than 10 for I'm gonna sure. Guess, I'm going to guess. Six. Okay, way too high. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell really? you I'm gonna tell you that there's two of them. Can you name those two? Two. And as this okay. is as far, this is what we believe to be the truth for the the small amount of looking into it that we did. Okay. Um, One is easy. Uh, Barry Bonds. One is Barry Bonds. Who is, is the second one? Sorry, Alfonso Soriano. I do not. I'm going to check Alfonso Storiano's stats right now to make sure that he's not a third member of this this 50 50 club. But I do not believe it is Alfonso Soriano. Uh, is he active? No. And I will tell you okay. that we have spoken about him on the show before. We have. Yes. All right, Alfonso uh. Soriano. Alfonso Soriano's best season: 41 steals. His best season. 46 home runs, so he, he's not cracked 50 in any category. Hey, that was pretty close. It was pretty. 40, I mean, 40, there can't be many. 
Yeah, and in, and in fairness, I, this might be as close as anybody's ever come because he had a 46-41 season. Right. Yeah, that's an absurd year. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have said Cano, but I don't think he's got 50 stolen mm-hmm. bases in the year. Uh, Alex Rodriguez? Nope. I'll tell you, I, and I'll tell you, my first guess, the first person that came to my mind was, uh, did Griffey did it, do it? But he didn't mm-hmm. do it. I'm gonna He's give never you, hit a stolen 50. I'm going to give you one more guess before we, uh, we move on. Oh, we've talked about him. We Let's have see. talked about uh, him. But I will. I'll give, I you, I'll give you a secondary yeah, hint. hint. Kind of a punchline. Oh. Kind of a punchline. Jose Canseco? No. You think Jose Canseco stole 50 bases? I don't know. He's a punchline to me. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think Sammy Sosa ever stole fifty. So nope. I don't know who's the who's the guy. Can I tell you what? A Rod came super close. A Rod had a fifty-four. Well, he had a fifty-seven, and a uh, and a forty-six. So your guess is with A Rod and Soriano, very good. The other player, you know, basically the yin to uh, to Barry Bonds Yang is a uh, Brady Anderson. <laughs> oh my god! I thought you were going to go Jeff Kent there with a literal yin to yang there, yeah. but I highly doubt he ever stole more than like twenty bases. No, but he was great on Survivor, and that's all that really matters when it comes down to it. Yeah, that's completely false, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. What, what do you think is what do you think Jose Canseco's biggest uh, stolen base season was? I I have no idea. I was just thinking wow. I'm going to go 20 maybe when he was younger. I'm going to surprise you and I'm going to say that your guesses on Chicana were incredible guesses. Although here's the, I think you're going to be more surprised to hear that Jose Canseco had a 40 stolen base season than wow. than when I tell you that he's never had a 50 home run season. Oh my. That is shocking. I would not have guessed that. Well, fun with numbers. <laughs> hey, something happened. Which hap- should be the new name of our show, personally. Oh, ab- absolutely. Think. No, absolutely. That'll be our, that'll be the, the shoot all, the offshoot podcast. Like, maybe Dan can host that. Who knows? We'll see. Whatever, whatever, the, whatever the media wants. So, um, something happened quite a while ago that you and I have just never had a chance to talk about because of all the other crazy stuff going on. And, uh, that was, you know, it, we can't go three episodes without talking about the bar, uh, the Ball family, and the this is family. the Bar family. Yes, uh, Anthony Barr, linebacker for the Minnesota Vikings, and his uh, rambunctious oh. family. Um, <laughs> is this uh, Lamelo Ball getting his own sneaker from the BBB brand, and the fact that it almost certainly ensures that he won't be eligible to play in college? That, I mean, they'll find a way around that, won't they? I don't like, think they so. Brand it specific, it's specifically branded to him? From It is his shoe, absolutely. It is the LaMelo Ball. And, uh, and I've also read a lot about this. And even if they take that money and put it into a trust, because the family benefits from the sales, then he benefits as well. And that also means he's sure. ineligible. In the same way that a player whose mom is gifted a house would Correct. be rendered ineligible if mm-hmm. that was found, right? Exactly. Kind of the Reggie Bush thing. <laughs> interesting. Very so, interesting. And uh, way to just torpedo your son's career there. Right. And Lavar has come out and say, like, well, LaMelo doesn't need college. 
we're just going to wait. Like he, he said multiple times that like, well, you know, we could just wait a couple of years and have him train and get better. And then we'll have him sign with whoever we, he wants. What? Like you're destroying uh. this kid's career. And by the way, like LaMelo ball is not Lonzo ball. LaMelo ball is a nice prospect, but I think in the most recent ESPN ratings, he's like the 18th or 19th best player in his class and dropping. Like, this is not a guy you should be messing with his future. Take that guaranteed first-round contract. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, what I've seen of him, he's been erratic. I mean, the other balls are just not – you know, it's it's funny that they've – you'd think that they rode LeVar's coattails a little bit, but it's so clearly – well, no, it is LeVar. I mean – it's just been such a cluster watching this family kind of go on and on. And, and I yeah. mean, I'm not sure how much of it is, is, you know, the result of actual play and how much of it is the father just kind of setting everything up and ruining mm-hmm. everything for them. And the fact that people like, can't tear their eyes away from the train wreck that is, you know, what he's doing. I mean, if he really does make LaMelo ineligible, that's, that's a disaster. I'm not sure Lamelo is ready to play in Europe, or if a team would even take him. I mean, remember abroad. We've talked about this before, but they don't really play their youngsters very much. Right. Yeah, you have to go to a very specific team uh, in order to go play. If you're young, like Megalex, is a team that mm-hmm. sort of uh, is sort of the European Kentucky, where they just give a bunch of high-profile young players the opportunity, and then shuffle in a bunch of new high-profile young players the next year. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, this is crazy. And all of our talk, like, he'll just sit out two years after high school and just quote-unquote train. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh, he'll just train. He'll just, yeah, he'll just, he'll just train. It's fine. He'll be, he'll be fine. Yeah, it's not how it works. He, uh, yeah, this is it's so weird. Apparently he's driving a Ferrari in high school. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's not a red flag if, uh, if ever there was one. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I mean, it's just such a – that whole thing is just such a weird thing. And we haven't even seen, you know, the rookie play yet. It, mm-hmm. Think of how much pressure is on him. I, didn't, I know you oh, talked yeah. to me about this a lot offline and on the show. But just like, the, has there ever been more pressure on one player it's as incredible. a rookie since LeBron? Like, oh, I just incredible. cannot think of one. Yeah, no, I, I, you're absolutely right. I, since LeBron, I don't think so. Because, I mean, Anthony Davis was had huge pressure on him, but he you know, went to a small market team. Not uh, as a rookie, yeah, not even close. I, I think the pressure was pretty big to change that, to turn that franchise around. But but nothing close to what, what the, the, the eldest of the ball boys, Lonzo, is facing in, uh, Lonzo, in Los Angeles. Yeah. And it's just, it's all of these events coming together into this crazy media storm is, Oh, and it's unbelievable. And you know what? I've, uh, and it's in LA on top of all that. Well, that plays a giant part, I think, but you and I have talked in the past about, about what's going to happen with LeBron James. And, you know, you got, I got four teams and you got the field. I would almost feel comfortable at this point, reducing that four to, to one, I'm not going to for the sake of our, our wager, but uh, I would be comfortable reducing it to one. I think it's a foregone conclusion that that unless something incredibly strange happens this season, LeBron James is going to be a Los Angeles Laker next year. And wow! But here's You're giving the, up the giving up the ship, huh? Look, I'm saying Lakers are like ninety percent, seventy sixers at like eight percent, and uh, my other two, my Clippers and Rockets at. 
I'm going to say Clippers 1.5%, Rockets at 0.5%. But, uh, yeah, no, I think it's foregone conclusion that he's going to be a Laker. I mean, they were looking at schools, for Christ's sake. And and they tried to play it off like, oh, LeBron was just looking for somewhere to go work out. Yeah, he was looking (laughs) for somewhere to go work out. He picked a middle school, and he brought his wife with him. Yeah, it's – I mean – that still leaves the Clippers hanging in there for, to your point about making them one and a half percent. But, oh boy, I, I, I think that some of it does hinge on where these guys go. Like, I mean, this, I, I, you can't deny that if they somehow are able to pull it tied together, that this team doesn't run it back next year. Right. I mean, that's my whole thought that playing with Dwayne Wade and, and having a kind of a new cast around him may reinvigorate him and make him maybe. Yeah. Today he's planning on being gone, but you know tomorrow who knows? I I think that this team they're catering the team for him signing Dwayne Wade is the right move. But they're, they're not. trying to. They're not, and there's a there's a move that I think is very telling that we're going to talk about a little bit later. But I will we'll let that let that get. We'll get to that when we get there. I, I want to let's just take one. Mellow? Let's take Mellow? one step back on on LeBron, and here's what I think is really interesting about this though is. LeBron is a guy who has just obviously had all these huge problems playing alongside Kyrie because Kyrie wants the ball. Literally, Lonzo Ball's entire entire benefit of being on a basketball court is what he does with the basketball. So mm-hmm. how, how do you play Lonzo and LeBron James together? Because Lonzo needs the basketball to be an effective basketball player. Yeah, I mean, I think that we've seen LeBron at his best has like his cohort that needs or wants the ball as well. I mean, you look at Kyrie when they win the title, you look at Dwayne Wade when they win the title. And I think that, uh, you know, Lonzo isn't too far off from those guys as far as the, I know that the usage was really high and it wasn't super efficient at UCLA, Mm -hmm. but I do think that, you know, LeBron is kind of the kingmaker when it comes to some of the stuff, especially as he, as he sunsets his career, um, I think that it makes sense. I, I wouldn't say that because Ball is a Ball first, no pun intended, player um, that he would necessarily preclude him from having success with LeBron. Yeah, and can I tell you, I think Brandon Ingram is about to have a colossal breakout season. Yeah, like, I, I think say that. I just what I saw from him at the end of of last year with how he stepped up when he sort of got used to playing in the NBA, coupled with everything I've read this offseason about the work he's put in trying to put on a little muscle. Now he's still super skinny, but he's probably always going to be super skinny. That's just how his frame is with the Mm. work he's put on. He's put in the muscle he's put on and allegedly he's grown about an inch, inch and a half since last year, which you know isn't out of the realm of possibility since, you know, he was a 19 year old. Like this is mm-hmm. this is a six ten kid who can do everything on the basketball court. He'd bring the ball up, rebound, play defense. He's going to get steals. He's going to get blocks. He shoots from the outside. He's reworked this jump shot a little bit to make it a little cleaner. I, people always went on about how picture perfect um, Brandon Ingram's jump shot was, and I never saw it. I always thought it was a little bit hitchy with uh, with how mm-hmm. he brought the ball up. But allegedly he's mm-hmm. reworked it so it's smoother. I think this guy. I think this could be. I think this could be a 22-point-a-game season for Brandon Ingram this year. Wow. That's a strong, strong statement. Um, I, I I think that he'll have every opportunity. I mean, he'll have the playing time, and he'll have the uh, – I mean, the fact that they don't get any real veteran addition there. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I think that there are plenty of shots to be had. 
and I do think that they'll try to force ball into passing a little bit more, especially yeah. if they're setting up a, a future with, you know, Paul George and LeBron and others. Um, so I think that uh, if that's the case, then Ingram should be the, the number one guy on that team this year. And do that would th- lend itself to 20-plus points per game. Do you think that Paul George happens? Uh, yeah, I, well, look, I, I think that the Thunder thing is super interesting. I think that yeah. the, what they've done this year is exactly what Sam Presti's done. What they, they, they've done exactly what you want when you try to build a route, when you have an asset like Russell Westbrook and a guy that, you know, you've, they've clearly shown how they feel about him by uh-huh. building out this thing, even if it's only for one year. And I think that if you're another player on that team, you can't help but look at that and say, this franchise will do whatever it takes to win, even though their previous history might suggest otherwise, like, you know, dealing hard. And I know it wasn't realistic mm-hmm. to keep everyone together, but it was, you know, I, I just, I think that it looks good. I think it, it buys you a lot of goodwill with the league stars. And so if after a year or, you know, if it's a fun year, if they get close to beating Golden State, if they make the Western finals, I think there's a decent chance he stays there. And it doesn't have to be, a long-term deal either although if you're paul george and you've got that banged up knee you know you think about wanting that guaranteed money but to me yeah if i had to set the field set you know set the odds i do think he's a laker next year but i don't think the thunder are by any means out of it all right here let's play this game what is the what's your over under in terms of percentages that all three carmelo anthony russell westbrook and paul george our Lakers at our Lakers are our uh, members no. of the Thunder at the beginning of the 2018-2019 season. So all, uh, all both Russ Russ and PG13 resign. So Russ is Russ is on a one-year extension. Yeah. Oh boy. Um the chances those two are cuz Melo is definitely back. There's no buyout. Melo is there. there's no there's no buyout. I mean they could potentially I don't know if they still have their stretch provision but Something like that, but they're they're contractually obligated to Carmelo, Carmelo past this season. Okay, um, so I would say I would say it's thirty five percent. Okay, thirty five percent that all three return. What's the percentage yeah. that the Thunder have Carmelo and Russell Westbrook next season? I'll go seventy eighty percent. It'd be it'd be pretty very surprising to me if Westbrook left after this one year. Is there any scenario where Westbrook leaves and Paul George stays? No, yeah, absolutely I don't think so. not. 0%. I don't think so either. I don't think so either. You're right, especially considering it's going to be fun to see how these guys play together, because it seems like both of them have been playing a lot of small ball four, and mm-hmm. uh, so what? so is is Paul George? Paul George has got to be the three, right? Because I mean, you and I talked about this via text, but mm-hmm. what's what's how is that lineup constructed right now? Is we're going in a in a direction with the NBA where players are smaller and quicker, not these supersized lineups. So can Paul George with a bad knee with his injuries guard twos? I don't think so. Do you? I, it depends on the team. Like, I mean, it just depends on the matchup. I hate to cop out, but, you know, if Clay Thompson's the other two, then, yeah, you can he can guard it too. If it's you know, if it's Curry, then no. Yeah. <laughs> so, what if it's somebody like know, McCollum? Can he guard McCollum? No, no uh, way. That's what I'm not, saying. not a chance, no. 
That's what I'm saying. I think he's going to have I mean, a really I think hard time. I think he's a three. I think you're right. I mean, it's Roberson generally. Um, and so, but you know, that, that, that's going to, it's, we've talked about this a lot too. And that's the idea that the old way of thinking about positions is sort of out the window. Mm. So he's just a wing. Like he's not going to guard a point guard. He's not going to guard a, a small fast shooter, but he's going to guard anything in between that and, and a post player. I mean, he can, you know, he could card Carmelo if he, if Mel was on another team. You know, sure, sure, but um, Carmelo is going to be a he's by default be a power forward in this lineup, right? And so that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that George is he can guard anything between not the small fast shooter like Curry or others. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just him. Like, he's not going to guard a pure point guard, but he basically anything between that and a guy like Melo, I think that you can go ahead and put Paul George on him and hope that he can survive out there i mean really there's no neat matchup for him in that way i mean he's not he is he's not he's not an ideal fit for this team to, to your point no. that you made right when they made the deal for Melo. and i frankly i'm not sure that Melo is either but i'm interested to see how they match up with the warriors which seems like a fait accompli now that the yeah. those two teams will run into each other in the western playoffs well, Melo's got to be dreading this, honestly. I know this is one of the most gifted <laughs> scorers in the history of basketball, but this means that he's getting Draymond. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Because and that, that sucks. That scenario, Steven Adams becomes like the de facto Tristan Thompson for this mm-hmm. team. So he gets, you know, he has no real place. And so Melo now, I mean, I really think there's a gap there. Like they've got Patrick Patterson, right? And so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you've got to. I think there's there's a move to be made there to close that gap. Similar to, I think we were talking about the Celtics in this way too, right? That they yeah. don't have like a true, and I say true four, and I, and I struggle with it because of what we just talked about with positional norms not being the way that they used to be. But you know, you still do have to match up with the Warriors. That's the end game. I think that that's how you have to construct your construct your roster. And so. To me, I, I don't think this is a finished product by any means. But at the same time, you have to be careful because of what we just said, because it's only one year. Right. And I, so we I don't give... know. Go ahead. We don't know. We just don't know that they're going to be around next year. Right. I, and I give Sam Presti a lot, of, a lot of credit for making this move because he gets Carmelo for pennies on the dollar. This is a move that is a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. You make the deal and try and figure it out later. You know, Ennis Cantor mm-hmm. is, an, is a nice player and a good human being, but he can't play defense. Doug McDermott yeah. hasn't hasn't proven to be anything in the NBA yet, and sure, it's, it's nice to have a high second round pick because that Thunder pick is from the Bulls. But man, so you're making this trade. You're making this trade for a guy who is very similar to Jalil Okafor and a high second round pick, like yeah. oh, for Carmelo Anthony. I mean, in fairness. Carmelo yeah. Carmelo was rated below Lonzo Ball in ESPN's top players in the NBA list <laughs> Ooh, that's pretty rough yeah. i i mean and I, i'm a numbers guy through and through but like i think some of the and the efficiency metrics that we see are a little bit overblown like come on you know but uh, you know and then i he isn't a super efficient player but he is a kind of player he there is something to be said about volume scoring so sure. i i believe in that um that being said i i Look, I think that at the deadline, there are, like you said, they're figured out later. I love that. I think that that's totally what you do. I, and also just one point you made about Melo getting, being got for pennies on the dollar. Yeah, that's true. 
but remember, we were struggling with how to value Mello with mm. respect to what I thought was a deal that would be made, which is having him go to Cleveland. And I, I just couldn't find the fit. I thought that Thompson, something around Thompson made sense. Um, and I think that Thompson's better than cancer, probably. It's close. But, yeah, you different. Know, very different. Different. Very different. But, I mean, like, value-wise, if you had sure. to just throw all the guys into a, a, a list – some objective list. I think they're pretty close. And yeah. so, you know, what are we talking about here as far as like what the, what the Knicks gave up? Like Mello wasn't fitting into what they were going to do. And, you know, cancer might, who knows? He might, but he, so, he takes away minutes from their good young big man. Uh, you, yeah. have, you have Porzingis who should be a five, but he's not because Hernan Gomez is there and Hernan Gomez is a good young player, maybe even a potentially very good young player, but Still, I, I was talking to a buddy of mine who is a, a hardcore Knicks fan today, and he was talking about in in classic Knicks fan propaganda manner how great a de- how the great how great a deal they made, and it, it's literally I don't know if you ever heard the Lenny Dykstra quote, the old uh, "great trade who'd we get" quote, but it's very oh, much like yeah. it's very much like that. Whereas it doesn't matter. Facts don't matter to Knicks fans, and it's to, no. some, to some degree, I I can respect that. That just the overwhelming yes. zeal and desire to, to to support your team, regardless of circumstance. But man, this is this is a badly constructed roster. And can I tell you what we've we've talked a lot about these draft prospects from this year, and I I told him that I think the most interesting fit. Okay, let's see how well Anshukana do you know Chris Horwardell? Oh. Who do I think? Not is, well. <laughs> yes. Who do uh, who do I think would be the most interesting fit for the New York Knicks in this draft class? Oh, wow. And I will preface uh, this with I believe Porzingis is a 5. Porzingis is a 5. It's not going to be Bagley because mm-hmm. they're too good. Um, is it Doncic? Doncic would be an interesting guess, but my my thinking here is that the Knicks have an opportunity to sort of build the prototypical modern-day lineup if they're able to draft Michael Porter Jr. and play him at the four because Ooh. that gives Ooh. you an opportunity to have a lineup of five guys who can shoot well from the outside, five guys who can create yeah. for themselves, you know, block shots, rebound, do all of that stuff. And, uh, you know, I think Porter's a gamble for sure, and I think he certainly floats to the outside more than I would like him to. But, man, that, that would be a really, really interesting lineup with the spacing that it would create. I, I do like that idea. Um, I'm Boy, that would be something. That would be really something to see. Uh, I do you think Porter's a four? I I'm mean, saying I'm saying it can. I'm saying he can be. You know, the guy's the guy's six ten. He does rebound the ball. He can block shots. Does he want to be a three? Probably, but you know, yeah, sucks to be him. Either way, I think you, you get the flexibility that you want and the right building blocks. And I'm a Porter guy. That'd be a lot of fun to see those guys run it out there with those with that group. Um, do we think the Knicks are going to end up up there? I don't. I don't think so. Really? really don't. Why? Who do you think? Who do you think is clearly worth worse than the Knicks right now? 
uh, I live about four miles away from where the one team plays. Yeah, Chicago is not uh, not going to be good. But they did bring back Nikola Mirotic, so there's that. That doesn't make them good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Porzingis and Cantor alone make them make the oh, Knicks better than and and Hernan Gomez. Yeah, look, like better, last year they better than the Bulls. The pick. Mello played how many games? Could not have been more than uh, forty, was it? I don't. I don't I, look. They're better than the Bulls. Yeah, for sure. I'll yeah, give you, I'll yeah, give you that right. one. Hawks. Hawks are worse. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. Did you? I read a story that the Hawks players were like were ecstatic and yelling and screaming and celebrating when they found out Dwight Howard got traded. <laughs> That's just so great. It doesn't um, really speak the well Nets to. Are worse. Yeah, probably. But the thing Although about they're the... going to be trying to win, as we've right, talked about. right. The Nets have no incentive to lose. Yeah, I don't think anybody else is worse. Uh, I still think the Pacers are really, really terrible. But you know, they, I think they'll probably I... try to win too, just because they're in a small market. But I think they're kind of an interesting terrible, aren't they? Like Miles Turner's evolution is going to be a really fun one to watch. You know, Oladipo is going to give you 15 points and four rebounds and four assists. He's going to be Oladipo. He's going to play defense. You know, decent point guard play. You know, um, what's his name? God, Thad Young is always going to give effort. And uh, TJ Leaf is going to be able to. He's a guy you can have. I love Thad Young. Thad Young, take it back. Thad Young is not a guy you can have. Thad Young is a glue guy for a good NBA team. A guy you can have. You're insulting the phrase "guy you can have." No, I, I'm the creator of "guy you can have." People yeah. That. Oh no, I haven't Wait, forgotten. That but team is... but you're you've clearly Boy, forgotten I... what its its meaning is, sir. All right, I'm looking at this Knicks roster. That backcourt is going to be historically bad. But oh yeah, um, Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to try to be great though. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Neil, how much how much burn is Neil Akina going to get this year? That's another thing. Well, I think that's going to be indicative of what their intentions are for the season and how much Nilakina plays early. Because if you're a bad team, you just want to get them on the court and get those growing pains over with. But if you think you might be okay and maybe you can contend in a terrible Eastern Conference, they can't, spoiler. But you're, you might you know, temper how much you play him. I just think that they're too good. I think that Porzingis is just too good for them to be as bad as these teams that we're talking about. I don't but know. Yeah. Just circling back, I don't think that they're. I think the Magic. You could argue that's close. Magic uh, have like all the teams you're talking about have more good, decent players, but the Knicks have the best player by far of any of these teams, and so to me that makes them better. Man, they're well, just dreadful of rosters. Out there. We're going to really find out about about um, Chris Alves Porzingis this year. Because my, my thinking on Porzingis is he's always been made to be a really good two and not a one, and not like the go-to guy on a team. Because I think, you know, it, you can game plan around Chris Alves Porzingis. You're just going to be really I'm physical with him. Yeah. I get I, it. I get what you're saying. But... I'm not saying he can't be a one for a bad team, but a lot of people can be ones for bad teams. Dana Barros made the he All-Star a game being a, a one. Team. That's a fact. Well, yeah, that's fine. I mean, we'll see what Kyle O'Quinn does this season. But, yeah, he's going into the year. <laughs> certainly going to have an opportunity. Um, I don't know. It's yeah. a bad route. It's, well, it's a really bad route. I love Courtney Lee. Sorry. I do love Courtney Lee. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's yeah. a bad roster. Yeah. Hardaway. I hear Hardaway is going to get the opportunity to play some point guard. And mm-hmm. that might be out of necessity because, you know, Ron Baker may be their starting point guard right now. Love it. I love Ron Baker. I don't care who knows it either. I love you, Ron. Uh, is that based on anything? or? I just really liked him at Wichita. He was just a lot of fun. I love those teams so much. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. 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 You know, Ron Baker reminds me a lot of a, a guy I, I recorded with on my other show I did, I'm, I'm doing that will debut at some point, maybe. Uh, and that would be uh, Dan Dickow. Okay, yeah, got I see that. A little, little guard, always scored the ball really well, got the floppy hair. Always, yeah. I see some dick out in him. I could definitely. <laughs> no, leave that alone. Just leave that alone you're, and move no, on. Your phone, your, your recording cut out and said, I could see a little dick out in him. <laughs> so I, I, uh, I enjoyed that. But, and I'm we'll, sure he did too, but anyway. We'll get into why you enjoyed that later, yeah. What about that was appealing to you, aren't you? No, I, I just found it <laughs> amusing. But anyways, so football. <laughs> well, I was that, that was just a little teaser for, for my upcoming show where I, I talk to ex-NBA players about their lives, starting from college recruiting cool. to life after basketball. And uh, if you're listening to this, just just I can't, I can't stress this enough. I, I'm not sure what order they're going to be out in. Probably not the order I recorded them in, but... Uh, there's going to be a two-part episode with Scott Pollard that is must-listen uh, to f- for any basketball fan out there. Incredible! Like I, it was so good, and it right. was, it, like you'll hear me multiple times during the show be like, "Oh, well, you know, I don't want to take up any more of your time." And he's like, "Oh no, I love to love talking. I'm a talker, Chris. You know that. I'm a I'm a talker. What do you want to talk about?" And uh, so the, cool. these shows have been going about you know 35 to 50 minutes. As you know, Scott and I talked for about ninety, and uh, yeah, it's it, it was awesome. I uh, I That's could talk so great. could talk to that have that guy on the show every day. It's legitimately the best interview I've ever done, and no part of that thanks to me. Just that that guy is spectacular. <laughs> I and I, I went and to qualify that whole thing with you're not tooting your own horn here. This is all about oh no people that were that have come on to the show. Not, oh no, not awesome people. Yeah, there, it's been it's been a fun experience so far. You know, the the first one I did was a little bit. I was a little apprehensive afterwards because, in my experience, you find sort of one of two personality types in seven footers. They're either very extroverted or very introverted because they're getting a lot of attention their entire lives. So mm-hmm. it's just there isn't basically just a normal personality in there. And I sort of got more of an introvert, a very, very nice guy, but an introverted one. And I'm, you know, like I said, these are not going to go up in any particular order. So there's no, no, I'm not uh, giving away who I'm talking about. And I've talked to a, a lot of seven foot white people for whatever reason. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but, you know, it took a little bit, of, it, it took a little while for me to sort of like coax him out of his shell and get him talking and get him talking and feeling more comfortable. But sure. Yeah, this it's been a really fun experience. There's a it's a gentleman named Andy Panko who played for the Hawks for a couple of minutes, and uh, and he's still playing professionally overseas right now. This is his 19th year professionally uh, overseas, and he's awesome. Andy is an awesome guy who I hope to talk to many many more times in my life. It's just it's been oh, it's been fun getting you know not only not just the stories and the stories are cool. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, Jeff Trepanier, who played for the Cavs for a little bit, USC shooting guard, tells a funny story about, let's say, it dating internationally. But, no. uh, but uh, it's, it's, it's really just interesting hearing the crazy stuff that goes on when you, you take a 24-year-old and you send him to Kiev to try out for a Russian basketball team. And, you know, weird things happen. It's it's been a lot oh. of fun. I'm uh, it's I'm I've really enjoyed this. I just I look forward to it getting it being a thing because right now it's an idea. And once it's a thing, and I can point to ra- like ratings and iTunes reviews and stuff like that, it's going to be a little bit easier to get people than it is right sure. now. And but I everyone also, tune in because it's going to be awesome. It is going to be awesome. It, there are a couple that are there are certainly ones that are better than better than the others but yeah it's going to going to be a lot of fun we have uh we have Syracuse point guard Jason Hart taping with this week i you know the the hilarious and just awesome Paul Shirley this week who i was supposed to tape with today but i had to reschedule uh Seattle Supersonic center Jim McIlvain uh who else Lee Nalon who's playing in the big 3 right now and uh, if he ever gets back to me Demar Johnson, Demar, yeah. Jesus, Demar, Jesus, like this. <laughs> I I look forward to talking to him too because I've the, the interactions I've had. He seems like a really nice guy, and his Twitter makes him seem pretty interesting. But he has not been super duper communicative. Oh well, we'll just withhold that. I'm excited to hear him. I'm sure he'll be on soon. I hope so, sir. Let's. Uh, what was your reaction when you heard that? the Knicks were only getting Cantor McDermott in a second round pick. I, I, you know, again, I just, I wasn't shocked because I, I wasn't sure what value Carmelo had. We had mm-hmm. no real feel for it. So it's just, to me, it's, it's not like it wasn't a big deal either way. It wasn't okay. like, Oh, you know, they, this was, Oh, this is so little. I, I, I maybe I overrate cancer. I thought it was about right. Cause we talked about hmm. Thompson what shocked me the most was that it was the Thunder that did it. You know, I, I just, it's weird how they've been able to put together this team of younger, of not younger, of, you know, swing men essentially yeah. build around Westbrook and try to bring him back. I, I really like what they've done. And um, I, you know, I hope it lasts more than a year because I think they have the potential to be a really exciting team. I, mm-hmm. Like I guessed with the 35%, I doubt that that's going to happen. But if it does, I think that it's got it's got legs. So, um, but yeah, the mellow. I just I'm not sure how mellow. As our my immediate response after to you, based on your response, was you know I just don't know how he fits positionally with this team. Right. That's going to be the tough part. So earlier we were talking about LeBron James, and the one thing that I have heard more than anything else, and you know you hear the rumors that he he's not a big Isaiah Thomas fan, and you know obviously we know he hates the ownership. But the thing that I thought was more telltale than anything else throughout this entire saga that LeBron James has already checked out of Cleveland is the fact that Cleveland turned down Carmelo Anthony for Tristan, a package including Tristan Thompson. Because if you think LeBron's going to stay, or if you even think there's a chance LeBron's going to stay, you can't get Carmelo quickly enough. Right. Absolutely. And I mean, I, I, that's what I always assumed. I assumed that that was the direction they were going to go. And the fact that they didn't, it's just, it surprises me. But I mean, if that's what they want to do, maybe they just feel like, you know, he is gone and Mm. 
like you said, I mean, if this is what you're saying, if this is the reason why he's not going to be back, I, I have to, I have to applaud them in the way that like, Hey, our life is going to move on without LeBron. Yes. We want to do everything we can to keep him, but we're not going to saddle ourselves with a deal that's going to screw us long term. And you know, the thunder did kind of do that. Mm -hmm. Um, in dealing cancer, I think that, you know, there's a chance to what you asked earlier. I mean, there's a chance this team ends up being mellow and a bunch of like Steven nobodies. You know, they basically are a worse version of the Knicks. Yeah. Steven Adams, I guess they're a little bit better than, but you know, no, not, they'd be the best about the same because mellow is two years older in that scenario. And so, you know, I, in that case, you know, you're just getting, you're just tanking essentially. So I have, boy, I, I, so I guess I do applaud the Cavs in that way for it. And I'm not sure that Melo would be enough to keep LeBron. That's the thing. So it's, it's, it really is tough to, to try to wrap your head around. And if that, I, but I do agree that like not trading for one of his best friends in a pretty fair deal, I think, which would be with for Thompson, yeah. um, you know, that, that proves it out that, I mean, that, that tells you all you need to know right there. Can I tell you what though, if they would have made that trade, Man, this team would have been so much fun to watch with Isaiah Thomas and Derrick Rose and J.R. Smith and LeBron and, and you know, uh, what's it, and Love and Mello and Jay Crowder. Like, that's an incredibly yeah. deep, talented team. That's a lot of fun. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, it, it's almost too many cooks, I think, in some ways, but it's, I, I think that it would be a lot of fun. So, um, <laughs> But, you know, that being said, I think they're good. I think they're fine. They've got mm-hmm. enough pieces. Well, they, they added another piece earlier today. A, uh, I know you were heartbroken when your Chicago <laughs> Bulls managed to buy out the contract of one Dwayne Wade. And uh, all it cost Dwayne was $8 million of his ridiculous salary. And uh, <laughs> to the surprise of absolutely no one, Dwayne Wade shortly thereafter signed a one-year, two-point-three million-dollar contract with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Do you think that there's a, a scenario wherein he's a starter for this team, or is he coming off the bench? Oh, I definitely think there's a possible scenario where he's starting for them. I mean, it's him or J.R. Smith, right? Like, I absolutely mm-hmm. think it's possible that he ends up starting for them. So, yeah, like I, I, I get it. It made a lot of sense. I mean, I thought that. Carmelo was the one that would end up there. It makes sense that Dwayne Wade is. It costs them nothing but money. So, you know, I I think that – and I think that they were able to do this in part because of the Kyrie deal where they were able to shed a little bit of money, weren't they? Yeah, I believe so. So, you know, you throw Wade into that acquisition, and so now you're looking at, what, Isaiah? I mean, Wade Probably Wade, LeBron, Love, and Thompson? Yeah, you would certainly think so. With Crowder, Rose, you know, Osman, Channing Frye, Richard Jefferson, etc. off the bench, Shumpert off the bench. Pretty solid. Like they definitely have waves. Jeff Green, I know you're in, uh, and they still have Zizek, right? The, yes, the they do. I mean, so who knows what that is? That may be nothing. It may be something. Um, so yeah, Crowder off the bench is nice. That's that's mm-hmm. a really that second, that second group might be better than the Bulls starters. Honestly. Yeah. So Wade averaged. I mean, you you got to watch D Wade in person last year. He averaged eighteen point three points in just under thirty minutes a night. 
shooting percentage is a little bit lower than his career norms at 43% and only 31% from three. But, you know, he's never been a good three-point shooter. That's just not Dwayne Wade's game. Do you see a chance that, you know, in a role where he's playing 24, 25 minutes a night, we could see a little bit of a, an old Dwayne Wade for the Cavs this season? No question. I think if you just look at his playoffs the last two years, like, I mean, maybe the stats don't bear it out, but he, he, you know, he rechannels some of his old ability at mm-hmm. times. He knows that he can't do it all the time, but I think that you, you definitely see flashes. And so if he's able to only play, and I think this also applies to Derek Rose, by the way, mm-hmm. where if you limit his minutes and you try to bundle all of that ability and little explosive spurts, it just gives them more chances to be good, especially. And I mean, I think you even say it about Isaiah Thomas too, if he's, if he's really banged up. So I, to me, I think that that, that group, what they're doing, it's, it's a really interesting kind of new age philosophy because it's not like the Warriors because the Warriors starting five can play, you know, 40 minutes a game if they have to. This team, they can't and they, they won't. Right. They, because But they don't need to because they have that second wave of starting caliber players um, across the board. And I also think that they have a lot of flexibility now. So, yes, sorry, long-winded answer <laughs> to your question is yes. I think that Wade... And I would even go less than 24, 25. I'd say ideally he's playing, you know, 20 ish. Mm-hmm. And then maybe in the playoffs you play him a little bit more, but certainly in all your high leverage situations, you know, maybe not all. Sometimes you want J.R. Smith's shooting touch, but and generally he makes a lot of sense and he can still play some pretty good defense and make some big plays on that end, too. You're right. And he does present, you know, roster flexibility with this team, especially nice because with the Isaiah Thomas injury. There's no reason Wade can't act as a secondary ball handler to LeBron James when when Derrick Rose is on the bench. Right, and that's a lot of conditions you just had. When Isaiah's out, when Rose is out, right. when LeBron doesn't want to have the ball. So that's that's great. Like they they really do have a bunch of waves. Now you just have to hope that you know inevitably these guys are going to get hurt, but you know they have the ability to protect them throughout the season, which I think is perfectly ideal and perfectly suited for this roster the way it's currently constructed i think it's going to be a really fascinating case study all right so who is what's your finals prediction right now who who are your two teams in the finals well i guess the question is who's facing the warriors in the in the nba finals this year i i mean i don't see any reason why the Cavs aren't going to be back there i I don't i was thinking Celtics being there what do you how do you see a celtics Cavs? potential Eastern Conference Finals breaking down? What's the what's the game breakdown? I mean, I think, well, first of all, if some of it does. I, the Celtics are going to need to win the one seed. I, mm-hmm. I really believe that because they have absolutely no chance of beating a Cleveland team without home court advantage. I Agreed. really do believe. So assuming the Celtics have, have won the East in terms of the, the number one seed, which is not a foregone conclusion, but let's just say they do. Now... I still think that, you know, I still think the Cavs win in six. I do. I I really, I just don't, I don't see, I don't see the Celtics being ready yet. I don't think that, I think they're still missing something. And I, and I, right now they definitely are missing front court pieces, but even if you add, you know, some backups up front or like some role players on the, on the front court, then maybe you can start rebounding with Thompson and Love and LeBron 
But the way it is right now, I, I just don't see how they ever win a rebounding matchup with the with the war, with the Cavs. And I think their bench is definitely worse than the Cavs bench as presently constructed. Well, and one thing I think the Cavs really have going in their favor in a potential series against the Celtics is that Kyrie Irving is going to be trying his absolute damnedest to prove his value uh, away from mm-hmm. LeBron James. And he is going to be chucking. Like LeBron oh, is going to yeah. look to put up Russell Westbrook type numbers. No, LeBron, uh, Kyrie's going to look to put up Kyrie. Russell Westbrook type numbers, and I think that's going to be to the detriment of the Boston Celtics. Completely agree. I think the Celtics at their best are a team that moves the ball a lot, that plays good defense, and I mean, I think it's a team that the young players get better and better over the course of the year, and ultimately, either Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum proves themselves to be a key contributor in that playoff series. They're they're not they're not or they're not going to beat the Cavs as if Kyrie's the chucker and mm-hmm. you know you're not using Gordon Hayward and you're not using you know a lot of their other pieces. So I I just I think the Celtics are at least a year away. They obviously have a ton of great really good young players, Kyrie included, but they're still a little bit too raw. I still don't think that their their mix is right for this year. Do you, do you agree with that, or you think oh, where, where are you at with this? No, absolutely. I could not agree more. Yeah. I don't think that they're ready. I think that you know next year is probably the year we should look to the Boston Celtics being the clear-cut best team in the Eastern Conference with a, a upstart Philadelphia squad on their heels. But uh, it's fun because, you know, anything can happen. It's the, Today is the first day of training camp for most NBA teams. Basketball is back. I could not be more excited. First, first Sixers preseason game is on October 4th. And uh, I, I can't wait to see this group playing. And you know, un, even if I do have to wait until the regular season starts to watch Joel. But hey, you know, we uh, we brought back, uh, we got Chris Humphreys and Emeka Okafor now. So things are going to be fine. I'm sure they will be. I'm sure. What a, what a weird sure pair of signings. <laughs> right as training <laughs> camp starts. What a weird <laughs> pair of signings. Like, let's get Emeka Okafor. He hasn't played since 2012, 2013, right? Yeah, he's, he's going to be fresh. Maybe it's to uh, help, you know, Embiid with some of his technical abilities on the boards. I have no idea what the reasoning is. Yeah, I don't, know. I don't know. But Joel is certainly not going to play a preseason game. And uh, I think I can just get used to saying that. He's not uh, <laughs> not going to play much in preseason. He's not going to. He's already participating in drills. And by all accounts, the only reason he hasn't been cleared is because he's in shitty shape from not being able to do anything. He probably needs, needs to lose a little bit of weight right now. So I've been I've been very concerned about this guy in the past. I'm not very concerned right now. He even came out himself the other day and in a weird moment of Joel being realistic said, "Look, you know, I'm not going to play 82 games this year. It's not going to happen." But but <laughs> I, I I think that as long as we get 60 a year out of Joel, 55 to 60, I, I, we're going to be just fine. I think Ben Simmons I think he is going to shock people with how good he is right out of the gate. I genuinely do and that's not homerism. I think he is pissed off that he has been forgotten. You know, he made a he made an analogy about he came over to the United States when he was 15 years old and he had to prove himself as a basketball player because nobody knew who he was. And he feels like that's kind of the case uh, again with him missing last season and him just being forgotten in basketball circles. I mean, he was like sixth in rookie of the year voting by the rookies uh, in, in terms of the likelihood to win rookie of the year. That's that's ridiculous. And I think it pissed him off. I think he's got a chip on his shoulder. And uh, I think we're going to see really big things out of him really, really early. 
yeah, no, I I fully believe in that as well. I think that he's a very quality front runner for rookie of the year. I'm not sure what the odds are, but he should be the favorite, especially having an extra year of that right. training. So I, I don't see why he wouldn't be. And uh, yeah, they're going to be they're going to be the I think the most interesting team to watch throughout the regular season for sure, and hopefully into the postseason for you. Anshu, I want to talk about football, and I want to talk about college football really quickly. I want to talk about my favorite player in college football. And my favorite player Lamar in college Jackson? football is Saquon Barkley. Oh, This guy is unreal. The, the numbers that I think, first of all, I you know, and I've been prone to hyperbole. I'm the first to admit that. I've been prone yeah. to hyperbole on this show. But I genuinely feel like this is the best player in college football right now. And I don't think there's a very close second. Wow. Oh, I, uh, it's tough for me to say that about a running back, but it's tough uh-huh. for me to argue with you about that. The way that he put that team on his back Saturday night was just, you know, truly impressive to be able to beat a very solid Iowa team at home under the lights. Um, I, I'm not sure where this Penn State team goes. Um, I think they've got a ton of talent on offense, but, and Barkley is the main reason why. But he is he is special. I think that he's got to be your front runner for the Heisman right now, mm-hmm. um, including over the defending champ. So it's it's boy, it's tough to say to argue with you. I think that look if you if you had to say the best college player, but I, I would say the most valuable player is the one where if you take a player off that team and replace him with a replacement level or average mm-hmm. level player at that position, how much worse would they get? Okay. I mean, if you take Saquon off that team, it's tough to imagine them being even, you know, much above a 500 team. I mean, they're they're a solid offense. So quarterback's good. I think that they've got some pieces. But, you know, compare him to a guy like Lamar Jackson or, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, Darnold or Rosen or Mason Rudolph. I think that he's right there. I, I mean, I think those are some of the main guys that you'd have to say. But right now, after that performance, it's tough to argue with you. I want to throw some numbers out right now. And uh, as we said, the show is subtitled Fun with Numbers. The <laughs> Saquon's averages, what he's projecting this season. So if everything were to go exactly the same as it has gone through the, the early games, he would finish the season with 1,683 rushing yards and 13 touchdowns. That's great. That's fine. Good season. Solid. He, he would also have 75 catches for 1,087 receiving yards with an additional seven <laughs> oh, touchdowns. Shit. And just oh, wow. for kicks, 520 punt return yards. That's over 3,000 total yards of odds from scrimmage. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, pretty good. I mean, the rushing yards aren't really that impressive, to be honest. Like, that's, mm. that's fine, but it's everything else. It's the 1,000 yards receiving that you're just like, wow, are you serious? That's incredible. But it's um, – do you think – let's let's talk about what we really want to talk about here. Is he – there aren't many running backs that are worth a top five pick. Is mm. he worth a top three or number one pick? It seems like you agree that he's okay. definitely a top okay. five pick. I want to hit on one thing to get to go to that point. I I did the second of my three contractually obligated Blitzcast hosting jobs this past week, <laughs> and I was to, I was talking to Alex. And Alex and I were talking about Barkley, and I've always compared Barkley to Lashawn McCoy. Well, Alex of, was yelling about Barkley, and you were look. I will look. I'm going to say this. I've had two very good shows with Alex. 
I think nice. I think that given here. given the right person, Alex can be very good. But you can't be a weak personality type or, you know, be subservient to him at all or it's just not going to be a good show. But right. uh, so I, I, and I, I even <laughs> I literally had ended the last show with I said something like, well, it seems like this is the right time to end the show because for the first time all show we agree on something. <laughs> and, and it was yeah. it was true, and that was how great Barkley is. But I've always compared Barkley to Lashawn McCoy because of because of his shiftiness and his ability to mis- make people miss in space. But Alex suggested that maybe I was I was underselling him, and maybe his upside is closer to that of the Ladanian Tomlinson. Wow, I mean that's high praise. I'll go more recent. I think that mm. Zeke is an interesting comp for him. I'm not sure that he's got the same pass blocking chops. That was one of the greatest strength of Ezekiel Elliott coming out of mm. college that I thought that at Ohio State and Urban Meyer said this as well, that he was maybe the smartest player that he had ever seen uh, other than Tebow or something like it's just the best player. And yeah. um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I've seen enough of Barkley to know if he's got that nuance, but we do know that he can catch. We do know that he can run. We do know that he can return and we know he can find the end zone. So tough to argue that and he's super strong as we saw in some of that game day stuff. Right. Um, so I, I, uh, it's tough. It's just, it's, he's a very special player and I find it hard to imagine that he'll fall out of the top five. I, I just don't see a scenario where he, barring injury that he falls out of the top five. Mm-hmm. So my comp on him, I'll put on him is Lizzie is just okay. for that reason. Um, just for the explosiveness. I'm not sure that Tom, I don't really see the Tomlinson one, to be honest. I don't know where he got that, but I, I mean, think I he's factoring the pass catching in. Yeah, I I mean, I never really thought of Tomlinson as a super explosive running back. I think that Barkley is shot out of a cannon. And yeah. It's, and that's what I think of when I think of Zeke as well. Before this year, he looked a little slow early this year. But um, in that way, I think that they've got some similarities. But he's, he's really, you know, he might just be one of a kind, too. I, this guy's got something going for him. and. He's a rare case because I, I always say running backs are a dime a dozen. The NFL has generally agreed with that theory yeah. in the last five or seven years. But he's one of those guys that bucks that trend. I think that Zeke proved that sometimes that can make it worth your while. Absolutely. Um, and I, I, I wouldn't go number one with him if I had a need at quarterback. But if I, you know, otherwise, I think that he's totally deserving of it in the same way that a great receiver would be. Right, because I think, he is a great receiver, you know. Yeah, I think that he has got more. I think he's a little bit faster than Elliott is. I think he's certainly more elusive, mm. and I think that he catches the ball considerably better. You're right; he's probably not the pass blocker, and that's that's Oof. a huge value in the NFL right now. But, but I think that I think that he's going to end up. I think that he's going to end up being a slightly better and hot, more highly graded player than Elliott was coming out. But to your point. You know, is he worth a top five pick? I think that the market has established that the over the past couple of years, the best running back in the draft goes at number four. You know, we've seen that two years in a row with with uh, Leonard Fournette and Ezekiel Elliott. I think that Barkley's good. Considerably better better than Fournette. For I think record. that he's going to be. I think he's going to. I agree that he's considerably better than than Fournette when Fournette entered the NFL. Because, right. uh, you know, a lot of weird stuff can happen. If you would ask that question the year before, then, you know, Fournette's better than everybody. But, right. but you know, I think he's, he's better than where Fournette came out. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Um, I but think he's going to end up I, being a more, slightly higher graded than uh, than 
Elliot. Certainly not going to have mm. the, the character stuff that Elliot has. And true. so I guess my, my question as a follow-up to as – an, I guess as an answer to your question is who is his competition right now? Because like, who is his legitimate competition for the number one pick? You know, this guy's put up the numbers I mentioned. You have Sam Darnold came into the year. Everyone's, everyone assumed was going to be the number one pick. Uh, nine touchdowns to seven interceptions through four games. Just turning the ball over too much. Now, a lot can, a lot can turn around, a lot can change, but he only threw nine interceptions last year. He's already thrown seven. That's got to be a concern. Josh Rosen is put up huge numbers, but he's throwing interceptions, and the reality of the situation is nobody's going to be comfortable picking Josh Rosen number one because of the mentality and because of the immaturity issues. It's just not going to happen in today's NFL. Josh Allen it came into the NF came into the year as a really highly thought of guy, maybe the number three pick in the draft behind uh, a couple of the other quarterbacks. He's been borderline terrible. You know, Arden Key at LSU is an undersized defensive end. He had this mysterious absence early in the year. He's only got three tackles and half a sack. Um, you know, Derwin James is a, a an amazingly talented player, but he's a free safety, maybe strong safety probably and he's got 14 tackles through th- two or three games and like i guess harold landry is an interesting player at boston college who people don't really know how good he is yet but he's only got 20 tackles and three tackles for loss who is the legitimate competition for barkley to go number one at this point i i think you glossed over rosen too easily i, I know that he's got attitude issues kids you know 20 years old i i uh... actually the interviews I've read of him, I've actually been impressed with him. I think that he's, he's got a good head on his shoulders. I think that he knows what he believes in, and I, I appreciate that. And uh, I just think that he's got he's got the ability and the production, and he's played in big games. He continues to play in big games. He carries his team. I like the kid a lot. I think that he, right today, would be the number one pick for a team that needed a quarterback. Now, part of this whole thing is who's drafting number one right mm-hmm. like it's hard to just say oh this guy's a no questions asked number one pick it just doesn't happen that way all the time i mean yeah right. garrett seemed to be that guy but i and i i also would just caution that there's a lot of a lot of games to be played yet absolutely damn darnold train so absolutely. i think that darnold can turn this thing around i don't think josh allen has any chance of it now after the way he played against iowa i just cannot imagine it um so, to me, I think that those three guys, I think that Barkley, Rosen, and, um, and Darnold, and then you, you throw in a player like Key, I think Key is still out there. I know that he's a little undersized, but, and he's, did he end up missing that game? I think he missed a game in there. Um, he was banged up a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, you know, those, I think, I, I, look, it's, it's hard to argue, but like a team like the Browns, the Browns end up at number one, you've got Kaiser, uh-huh. I mean, yeah, no, in a draft no. where we thought there were a ton of good quarterbacks, you know, they would go with a quarterback here. But now it's not necessarily looking like that's the case. So as of today, yeah, I mean, I think that their number one pick might be Saquon Barkley. But for another team, for a team like, you know, the Jets maybe, the Jets, I think the Jets probably go with Darnold or you sure. know, maybe Rosen. I think that those are I, – I would, I would say that those are the – 
the three guy, three or four guys that are in the conversation as of today. And I, I just, I would not just throw out, dismiss Mason Rudolph out of hand. I've always loved this kid. I don't think number one is probably where he ends up. I know he's, he's not quite there. He's playing in a wide open offense. You know, the history doesn't lend itself to him, but I just love the kid. I think that he's going to be a really good player. And so I think that, you know, in the same way that Derek Carr is, he's he's been there since he was a true freshman. He's played big games for them since that time. And I just, I I like him a lot. I think that teams aren't going to look past him like they did with Carr. Well, what do you make of, you know, Tony Pauline came out last week and said scouts are telling him that they think uh, Mason's a third day guy. I, I, I'm not shocked by it, but I I personally would put a first rounded grade on him. I from what I've seen, I've I've just been so impressed with him since since the very beginning. I think that he's got the arm talent, he's he's big enough. And I know I just know that the offense is a problem for him and he has bouts of erraticism. Is that a mm. word? Or erraticness? Sure. <laughs> Look at the erraticism, it sounds right. It does. Um and I I I just I I believe it. I just don't think that it should happen. I would be surprised if it did. Yeah, you know, of the <clears throat> of the really bad teams, I think we still have uh, five un uh, five uh, completely beaten, no win teams in the NFL at this point. Who do you mm-hmm. think is the most likely to to end up picking number one? Is you have Cincinnati, you have San Francisco, you have the Giants, you have the Browns, and the Chargers. Of those five, yeah. Uh... Well, can you can you say it? not the Bengals, not the Giants, the nine? It's going to be the Niners or the Browns of those five. I still think the Jets have every opportunity to end up there. Yeah. Um, but you know, I and I just think the Browns are a little too good right now. I know you get to watch them a lot more than I do, but get get to is know, interesting phrasing. Yeah. Yeah. Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's hilarious. I I would say. Actually, I'd say the Niners are worse than the Browns right now. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Niners are I pretty mean, crappy, man. Kaiser is just making. First of all, Kaiser's making terrible decisions with the football. Hugh Jackson is putting him in a position to make terrible decisions with the football. I I came into this whole thing as a giant Hugh Jackson fan, and can I tell you what Me I too. I think it might be time to start thinking about the next coach of the Cleveland Browns. I really do. Really? Wow. Yeah, but but it's such it's. It's a nightmare to fire him because he's also the play caller and the team doesn't have an offensive coordinator. So you have to make a series of moves. I think, you know, unfortunately, we've talked about this a little bit in my household. What would happen if Hugh Jackson got fired? I, you know, you would think Greg Williams being the only positional coach would be the, the obvious front runner to to move up to head coach, but I don't think that happens. I think that the easiest thing for the organization would be to promote Al Saunders to interim head coach because Hmm. it disrupts things a little bit less. Uh, And then you just, you need to promote somebody to offensive coordinator and have them call in plays. Look, at what point do you have to talk about it? They're they're one in 15 last year. They're 0 and three, just lost the Indianapolis Colts this past week in a game that, that was not particularly close. Now they're missing people, absolutely. You know, missing yeah. Jamie Collins, Corey, Corey Coleman, Miles Garrett, etc. But you know, they've got the Bengals and the Jets the next two weeks. These are mm. terrible teams, and they're the, going to lose ca- the Bengals. If if they if they get to zero and five, Hugh Jackson's job is not safe, nor should it be. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, if you lose to the Colts without luck and the Jets, 
that's that's not a good look for you. No. Um, again, I thought that they should have won that first week against the Steelers. Potentially. So I, 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 yeah, losing is losing, but frankly, it helps them long term. So, um, you know, I, I first of all, it's just not going to happen. The front office is going to fire Hugh in part because he believes in what they believe in, and and you know they got him when he was a pretty hot commodity. Um, uh-huh. So. I think that I just don't see that ever happening this year. I mean, I maybe, maybe after this year, if they have another one or two win season, which looks like it might happen, you know, two or three wins probably. Mm. But I think that there's just too much room for growth. They're, they've been banged up. Like if you think of their, say their six best players, right? Like, yeah. you know, you throw out, you know, Joe Thomas, Miles Garrett, um, Corey well, Coleman. Miles Garrett's an asterisk right now, but yes, potentially. Corey I'm just saying, Miles if you Garrett. if you just throw out their best player, how many of them have not been able to play much of their games? I, I, not, well, and, that, I also, and that, that big fella, the big receiver, also has not been playing too much over the last couple of years, and he's certainly one of their best players. Right, right, Josh Gordon. And so I think that there's, if he comes back, if they have the ability to like actually run the game the way they want to, I mean, right now all you have to do to beat them is just throw eight in the box and let Deshaun Kaiser attempt to decipher a defense. Yeah, which you know he's just too young, he's just too raw, and I, I like the, I think that his tools, like I, we said after the first week, I think he's got a, a lot of talent and a lot of ability, but he's just not there. Like this game is not slowing down enough for him right now. To win games and to be able to carry an offense and especially without Corey Coleman or Josh Gordon and Kenny Britt just seems to be getting fat on his deal I know he had a good week last oh, he's week terrible. But, no he did not have a good ha- week last week he's terrible <laughs> yeah Hollywood Higgins is raw I mean they just got they've got so much work to be done there in terms of personnel and you're just taking guys off their team like yeah you know their drafts like we said before they, they've taken shots at the dartboard with high upside af- athletes Mm-hmm. So you don't expect David and Joki to be great yet. You don't expect the real peppers to be great yet. And you don't even have miles Garrett out there yet. So it's just, to me, it's like they, they just don't, they aren't even giving him a chance yet. I think they realize that they, they just, he hasn't, he's just not gotten a real chance yet. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't give up on him yet. I know that it's frustrating if you're watching the team every week and you're a fan of a team, but you know, it's all, it's part of hashtag the process, isn't it? Yeah. And what, you know, the thing that confuses me the most about this team is what the hell are they doing with Jabril Peppers? Jabril Peppers on almost every play plays like a deep safety. And when I say deep safety, I mean like deep center field safety playing 25 to 30 yards off the line of scrimmage. This was his knock at Michigan. This is not a, a he uses his eyes to break down plays and gets himself in the right position and coverage kind of guy. This is a guy you put up at the line and tell him to go get the football. Yep. No, I, I don't know. I haven't seen enough of him on defense, to be honest. But It's crazy. I, it's crazy. My guess the, is some of it is like, let's just let the athletic, instinctive player fly around and let's put him in a position where he can see the field. I mean – the problem is if you're that far away, you're just not going to get to the players. So yeah. I, I always thought his ideal situation is just as that nickel corner and slash like Jack linebacker type mm-hmm. to, that can also drop back and, you know, who you let his instincts work for him. And I think that he's, he's big enough to be physical at the line of scrimmage against slot receivers and fast enough to flip his hips and guard them if they, you know, move downfield. 
mm-hmm. and every team's got a slot receiver these days. So, you know, he's ideally suited to, to play against that, especially right away. You give him one narrow focus and let him just be really good at that and then figure out the rest as he gets older and more experienced. But, you know, if that's what they're doing with him, I, I don't really know what to say to that. That seems like a Greg Williams thing, though, not a Hugh Jackson thing. Oh, no, it is a Greg Williams thing, but it's a, a, a very bizarre Greg Williams thing for a guy who is uh, <laughs> has has a reputation as, as uh, being a guy who gets the most out of his players. And Jesus, the Phillies are winning again. The Phillies are currently being the Nationals 3-1. Yeah. to this, this is ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Keep it going, baby. You're not gonna get it. It's gonna it, Detroit and the and the Giants have completely packed in the season. I know. It's a, you, not, I think, like they just they just put you're gonna end four. Today. Yeah, you're gonna. I think you're gonna end up four. Nothing wrong with that, and especially with your farm system. But this um, draft is really good. It sounds like really, really yeah, good. really, but really good, but not, but also kind of like muddled at the top with no clear guy. It depends on what you yeah. want. You know, if you want a college pitcher, it's Brady Singer. You want a high school pitcher? There's the the Kamar Rocker kid and the the other, the other what I forget his name. Then there's you know your your boy Seth Beer and you have it's a mm-hmm. it's a talented class, but nobody is clearly above everybody at this point. Right? No, I, it'll it'll bear itself out. There's still what uh, a whole baseball season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> but yes, why is only th- two games up or back on the Phillies right now? So, but with like there. six to play. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, probably not going to happen. But and you want you want two in a row. All right, so I made you. You, made, you had to talk. About, you had to talk about the Browns real quick. What's your thought on on the Packers through three games? Um, they're just so banged up, and they're like, ugh, it's just the walking wounded. And now they play again on Thursday night against the Bears. Mm. Luckily, it's the Bears at home, but. You know, Bears have looked good. I mean, I think they could very easily be two and one right now. They should have beat Atlanta week one, and uh, they just choked down at the end zone. But very impressive being the Steelers. The Steelers just can't play on the road. Anyways, Packers. <laughs> you know, that was a. I don't know how much of that game you watched, but they were down and uh, they looked well. Like they were, they definitely looked like they were about to choke that game away or just lose it, and then. Luckily, Andy Dalton came through when they most needed him, just could not get it going. Um, Packers shut him down after the first, you know, 20 or so plays, and, um, you know, they they escape. But David Bakhtiari will be back. Brian Bulaga should be back a few weeks after that. Once they do that, you know, their their offense is going to be a lot better. I think this team is really, really good. I think they're they're very clearly, to me, one of the top two teams in the NFC with Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just hope that they don't end up playing them. Yeah, I mean, really. <laughs> no, Jake stop Elliott, it. No. Local hero. Stop. Yeah, we're not. We're not very good. But uh, they're getting my, there, though. Yeah. Well, we, I think we're missing five or six starters on defense by the end of the game uh, last week Oof. with Cox and Hicks suffering injuries during the game. And and by the way, horrible, horrible thing happening last week. The, Probably the end of Darren Sproles' career. He announced that he was going to retire after the year. Oh. Granted, he announced the same thing last year, but uh, suffered a torn ACL and a broken arm on the same play. His season's over. Probably his career's over. This guy goes down as, you know, one of the the best small running backs, if not the best small running back of all time, with everything he brought to a football field. He just he created a whole new position in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, the third down back that could play on not third down. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and he did it so impressively for his stature. I just, I'm, 
It would really suck if he was done. I'm I'm guessing we haven't seen the the last of him, honestly. I think I think, I think we he, have. Did you see what he said? He, he tweeted out something like, you know, I'm I'll be back. I think that I don't think it's over yet for him, but that's yeah. going to be tough to recover from, especially with the arm and the knee. I mean, it's yeah. tough to, tough to do anything. Um, but right, you know, he's going to be what 35 next year. Yeah. Boy, and and one of those players that you remember both in college and the pros as being just so entertaining. So mm-hmm. best to him. I hope I, I do hope he gets back. I, I don't know anybody who dislikes Darren Sproles. No, I wouldn't. I would not mind one more year with Sproles in the Eagles lineup. But uh, my favorite thing from the Green Bay Packers game this week, by far, was Tony Romo? the excitement that Tony Romo showed <laughs> when when Allison got open on that deep ball. Oh my god, that was so great! Especially as a you know, as a Packer fan, and I'm I've always just loved Tony Romo. So uh, I just it's... seeing him back in Wisconsin and being so yeah. like excited about it. I don't think it was just because it was the Packer. I don't think he's like a Packer fan or anything. No, anymore, no, but... no, no, no. I think he loves yeah. football so much, and it's yeah. so infectious, and it, how with how I it comes across. It. Yeah, can I just tell you, having watched the whole Romo for performance i was uh-huh. just blown away i i like it's hard to you know you're just kind of hoping that a commentator at this point won't hurt the game right that you're watching he goes above and beyond of like making you appreciate even when the packers are losing i was just so like you're learning stuff you're mm-hmm. you're seeing the excitement he's he's and he's just giving you insight into things that you never would have seen or thought right. of before so you're getting the insider look and you're learning and you're you know, strategically learning. And then you're getting the excitement on top of all that, like the grudeness. So I just, I loved it. I thought that I just, he, if he sticks with it, he's going to be an all time great. I, I really hope he sticks with it. Yeah. But you almost hope that he never gets more comfortable. You kind of want him to always True. be this. Be, and it's not just like it doesn't ever become a job for him because right now it's just like it is so clear how much this guy lives and breathes football like it's all yeah. it's it's what matters to him and he it doesn't matter who's playing he's just so hype about just watching it and breaking it down and getting to be a part of it and it, and that's awesome and it, it makes the it makes the game so much more fun to watch it it does we and you know when when this was announced we did a show obviously our weekly show and and we mm. were just so pumped we were both like is there has there ever been such an obviously good choice to be right. like and they immediately advanced him to be with Nance which immediately makes that the best oh, you yeah. know group I think clearly oh, yeah. um, I I just man he I I my only complaint is that he doesn't get to do more Packer games selfishly <laughs> but it'll be cool to see him. And I, to your question or point, I guess I, I don't think that he'll ever lose that because, look, he's, he's been around the game. He had every reason to be so sick and tired of the game and be mm-hmm. so, like, just – he had the right to be upset about how his career ended oh, there sure. last year. sure. And, you know, I, I think he had the, every chance to be embittered about it. And so, to me, I, I just – I think that he'll be – I think that he'll, be, he'll retain this enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. I, I hope I, – I, but I do believe that. Um, my again, my only hope is that he's not trying to come back at some point because I still think that he had football left in him when he oh, for, went definitely. away. Definitely, so. with all the with all the quarterback hungry teams in the league right now, no question about it. Has there been a time since I don't know Madden and Summerall that you tuned into a game and you're like, this is going to be fun because of the broadcasters? I there was a time when Gus Johnson, every single thing that Gus Johnson did, and the even the NFL games. 
there was like just crazy Gus finishes over and over. Mm. There was like a Hail Mary for Jacksonville that happened on a Gus game. And, but yeah, no, no way. I mean, how, I, and maybe like the first time Gruden was on, I tuned in because it was Gruden yeah. or, you know, you, you brought up Dennis Miller to me before the show. <laughs> I think that probably, I, that, I was it. probably interested Kornheiser, maybe like just the first time, but after Kornheiser that, Kornheiser was no, terrible. No chance. Kornheiser yeah, no, was terrible. I, I dug the like the weird and esoteric Dennis Miller stuff the entire time. You knew starting with the first game that it wasn't going to work, but no. you had it. Like if you're a fan of Dennis Miller, and I am a fan of Dennis Miller, then like you're just into it because that's sort of that's sort of your sense of humor, and it's a very yeah. very 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 specific sense of humor. Yeah. Yep. But uh, yeah, I, th- I thought it was awesome, and I and kudos to uh, to Monday Night Football for trying that and trying something so outside the box. But uh, yeah, but nobody since Madden and Summerall, and and I'm not even talking late Madden and Summerall because that was kind of you know whatever. But yeah, it's, if if you see that your team is is going to have Tony Romo in any given week, you know the game's going to be more exciting and more interesting regardless of outcome. Yeah, and I can tell you as a Packer fan, that is going to happen. Luckily, they have him again on Thursday, which is going to be great. So now the whole country will get to see him for that game. And then, um, you know, there'll be more and more. I'm really glad he's the number one crew for CBS because that means that more and more people are going to get the chance to watch him. And uh, CBS struck gold on that one for sure. Absolutely. All right, well, that is the Underdog episode number 41 for Anshu Khanna. I'm Chris Forwardell. Thanks for listening. Please continue to rate, review, and do all the good stuff for us on iTunes, and we'll be back here next week.